You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. if you've ever met your hero before, but I met Wilt Chamberlain as a kid. And later he wrote a book and claimed that he slept with 20,000 women. And I did the math and I calculated, I met him between number 9143 and 9144. So last month I met another hero of mine and a more modern day hero, Marilyn Bartlett, who was so entrusted to reverse the state of Montana's healthcare deficit that she had a giant personal crisis because not only did she face torrential pressure campaign because of honoring her fiduciary responsibility, she had to fire Bucas, to cut ties with national advertisers that were doing nothing, to fire state employees who were sitting in their Candy Crush experienced thumbs. She directly contracted with hospitals at two times Medicare. They hated it. The Bucas hated it. The employee unions hated her, and their battle was to destroy her. The Bigs tried every political and legal and social lever in a very deep arsenal to reverse her, but she prevailed at great personal cost. Year three, Montana was in the black, $150 million up from a $15 million deficit that she inherited year one. And I asked her last week when I met her if she'd let me write a book about her incredible journey. No way. She said, Ron, it's too painful to relive. It's the most painful chapter of my life. Marilyn was named by Fortune magazine as one of the 50 greatest leaders of all time. And she's today working for a nonprofit updating forensics behind nonprofit hospitals with offshore accounts, private jets, and skyboxes. She's uncovered a misused 340B plan set up in 1992 by Congress to pass wholesale pharma prices onto the poor. So I pay $120 for EpiPens for my allergy company, and a community PCP on the 340B plan told me they pay two pennies for that same EpiPen. Two cents. So 340B is abused, and savings are not passed on to the poor, because many of the 67,000 entities that are engaged in this racket instead jack up their own profits. It was a dumb law because it didn't specify that the beneficiary had to be ultimately the poor. And Big Pharma hates this 340B game because it's been powerless as nonprofits violate the spirit of this very cool program to line their own pockets. Marilyn Bartlett is working with FASB to redefine how nonprofit hospitals should report losses currently reported at pumped up charge master retail rates instead of the market rates they actually get. That may sound complicated to you, but that uh, is a really worthwhile endeavor. Marilyn is beautiful inside and outside, and she's pushing past 70 years old, so my wife won't get mad at me as I tell you this. But she said this as we were saying goodbye, I still get mad as hell, Ron, so what are they gonna do to an old lady like me? Today's guest is another hero to many people. He's a cantankerous, lovable person. Quizify, his company, helps employees make wiser choices when it comes to their health, lowering health care costs across the board. He's so confident about his outcomes that they go as far as to guarantee it. And they have a lot of commitments to outcome measurement that we'll talk about in this interview. I'm looking forward to introducing you to a real icon in our industry, Al Lewis. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Ron. 
It's very exciting to have you on. Um, your platform, well, first of all, what do you think about Marilyn Bartlett? I'm sure you know a little bit about her. Oh, I, I know her personally, and she's my idol as well. And uh, what, what she has done makes what, what I do look trivial by comparison. Uh, I, I also, she, besides being my hero, uh, she was my inspiration. Uh, she and Marty McCary were the ones who got me thinking about surprise bills and was able to create a what we call a prevent consent, a surprise bill prevent consent that people have used in order to prevent surprise bills in the emergency room and for emergency admissions. I love what you have proposed in your prevent consent. Tell our listeners what that looks like. Well, it's a little sticker that you can put on your insurance card or you can download it right from the Quizify website uh, under it's uh, just go to other and then passes or emergency consent, either one. You can download it right to your Apple phone. You can write to me for, at my house and I'll just send you some cards that you can use. The cards, the Apple wallet language and the sticker all say basically the same thing, which is I consent to appropriate treatment and including applicable insurance payments to be responsible for reasonable charges up to two times the Medicare rate. Amazing. So I had Katie Talento on our show and I have used her line many times. She didn't say it on our show, but she did say it on my friend, Josh Lucas, Luke's show. Um, Josh Lucas pull back the curtain and become an educated consumer, an educated health consumer. And her, uh, her solution is to sign every application that they put in front of you. I did not read this. Same kind of thing as your strategy. It's just a little more subtle, I guess. Uh, well, here's the difference. And, this, and, and by the way, more power to her. She's absolutely on the right track. Is that in her solution, she is not agreeing to their price, which is a very good start. Whereas in this solution, you are telling them specifically what price to agree to. And if they treat you and they don't say, I disagree with this price, you're paying two times Medicare. Now, it can actually go a step farther, which is if you say two times Medicare and they send you a bill for something different and they take you to court, you will very, very likely win at two times Medicare. You would not win if you said, I'll pay the Medicare rate. They would say, that's absurd. We lose money on that. That's our biggest customer. They, cooler heads will prevail within the hospital and they'll say, whoa, let's just bill this person two times Medicare. If we go to court and we lose, which we're likely to do, that becomes a precedent. And then anybody can come in here and tell us they're going to pay two times Medicare. You know, the irony of hospital billing, and this show is really about primary care, but the irony is that we have um, unlimited billing. It could be 10 times, 20 times, unlimited times Medicare on any type of procedure. Um, and that could, the procedure may not be a bundled price where they say, here's what the surgery costs. It may be adding in anesthesia or surgery assistance and maybe separate bills. And so what, it may not be two times Medicare, maybe 10 times or 20 times Medicare. Um, so your method is going to protect them against that too, because I think you also mentioned out-of-network building is not going to be acceptable. Do you say something like that in your um, uh, pack in your ticket? But this is very specifically aimed at the out-of-network folks. So yeah, I mean, an out-of-network person cannot charge more than two times Medicare. Now, Ron, there is one very big asterisk, uh, which is what assures you that you will get treated, you won't get shown the door, and you won't get sued, uh, which is that this 
only works, and this is, remember, I learned half of this. I learned about the two times Medicare uh, reference-based price from Maryland. I learned about the so-called battlefield consent, which is what your friend Kate says from Marty. And like peanut butter and chocolate, I was the one that put it together. Now, the key thing that, about these battlefield consents and about your being able to just say this and get the treatment is that it has to be emergency care of some kind, an emergency visit, an emergency admission, an emergency transfer, or an emergency delivery. The law, and it's called the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act of 1986, is on your side. And this is the hack of the law that the providers don't want you to do. It's amazing stuff. Al, you have so many interesting things that you write about. Your model is to give quizzes that are fun and interesting to employees so that they become an educated health consumer themselves. I'm looking at your website and you have diagnostics and surgery we just talked about a little bit, dental care, summer hazards, specialist referrals, screenings, medication, smoking, caregiving, nutrition, parenting, financial wellness, and weight control and health benefits. That's a long laundry list. You guys have a lot of content and I've read it and boy, is it entertaining. Well, uh, thank you for that, Ron. And uh, yes, we do have a lot of content. In fact, one of the quote-unquote objections we get when we when we uh, market this is, how can we teach employees all this stuff? It's like drinking from a fire hose. Yes, that is right. There's a lot that employees have to learn. People tend to stay with us for years. We repeat certain questions. People want different categories, different months. We can do that. Um, but the, the, the two critical things, you said one of them, which is that wiser employees make healthier decisions. But the other thing, and we don't advertise this, this is just what people learn, is that just because it's healthcare doesn't mean it's good for you. The truth uh, in your questions is really amazing because it's not intuitive. I think a lot of people are gonna get the first round wrong when they go through these questions because they think the answer is that, well, they, first of all, they think health insurance is healthcare and it's not. And then they think that they are getting um, good advice on the internet and they're not. This is really one of the sole places where you can, besides seeing a PCP, get really solid information that's backed up by uh, the likes of Harvard, in fact, don't you? have uh, them as Yes, we have uh, our content. It has carries the Harvard Medical School shield, they call it, the logo. And we are the only vendor that's allowed to do that. So we occasionally, and we have to, in order to put that logo on every question, we have to uh, review it with them, which we do, and sometimes they actually propose the questions. But that kind of addresses the exact issue you mentioned is, where are they getting this information? Well, that's where we're getting it. Now, however, it could be wrong, but it represents the, the best knowledge, uh, the most current and best knowledge to date for the various categories we're doing. Do you, um, is this your impish sense of humor, this devilish sense of humor you have that's um, infiltrated your company culture? Because it, when I say these are fun, they are truly entertaining to go through. Is this your personality that uh, you're putting on your people or is this something that just, you only hire funny people? Uh, no, actually this is me. <laughs> what you see is what you get. Uh, if, you, if you read my, uh, my three books, um, two co-authored and one by myself, Why Nobody Believes in Numbers or Cracking Health Costs or Surviving Workplace Wellness, you'll read them. And even if you didn't know who wrote them, you say, oh, that's the same guy who writes these quiz questions. And that's also, Ron, why nobody can basically compete. I mean, you have to, in order to do this, you have to not only know a lot about healthcare, which plenty of people do, uh, you, and you have to be able to write good trivia questions and 
in my life, I've probably written 50,000. I mean, I wrote a best-selling trivia game 35 years ago. But you also have to be funny enough to keep people coming back. Mm -hmm. My son, um, he worked at a Harvard hospital um, and still works at one now as a gastro in his fellowship. And he, I said, why do people get unnecessary tests from you? And he says, well, there's three reasons. Number one, a lot of people that walk in the door have read something on WebMD and they're armed and dangerous. They've got to get that extra test and we know it's worthless. It's a stupid test. So I think every 13 seconds, Americans are ordering tests that are useless or waste of money. And then the second thing is the physician they're trying to give courtesy to and not embarrassed when he's ordering. And the third thing is CYA. It never hurts to order that dumb test, even though it's not going to do anything in the lawsuit. So um, do you speak to unnecessary testing to the patients they know not to order those things? Oh, without question. That is, that is the way when we guarantee our, our savings, that's where we're getting the savings. So if you, look at the, if you look at the question and you mentioned you saw a few, we have many questions on various scans and procedures. And probably our go-to question about scans is, how does the radiation in a CAT scan compare to the radiation in an X-ray? And we give people four choices, five, about 500 times as much, five times as much, about the same, or the X, uh, CAT scan doesn't have radiation. And then well, people eventually stumble onto the 500 times as much. And after they do, guess what? Of those three reasons that you gave for the inappropriate testing, the first is, as you say, patients going in and demanding something. Well, that goes away. Nobody's going to go in and say, I demand to have a test that's 500 times as much radiation as an x-ray. Um, the third of those, which is CYA, we see that quite a bit where the doctor says, well, why don't we just do uh, a, uh, you know, another CAT scan before the surgery or whatever. Um, and uh, if you say, gosh, is, is there a lot of radiation in that CAT scan or is the, is the risk of the radiation really worth the scan? A lot of times they'll say, well, you know, you're right, probably not. And in fact, if you go to the reviews on our website, you will see, as we say, uh, real, real reviews from real people with real names, <laughs> you will see people with names saying exactly that, that all they did was say, do I really need this CAT scan? It seems to have a lot of radiation in it. And the doctor will say, yeah, you know, you probably don't. So we do, we get employees to, to do these things without them even realizing. They're not thinking, oh, I'm saving my employer money or, oh, my employer doesn't, you know, doesn't want me to do this. They're acting in their own best interest. I was with, uh, I was with Marty Macri, who spoke at this conference with Marilyn uh, Health Rosetta last week, which I know you've been to. And Marty said, he told us a scam about uh, upper and lower GI. If you do them on different days, you can bill twice as much as you can if you do them on the same day. And of course, I immediately called my son at Harvard and I said, tell me, please, have you ever been taught to do this? He goes, Dad, we would never do that. I know that's a wrong thing to do. And no, we, we are not taught to do this. And I'm in a good institution. And I know people that do that. But um, what other kind of scams are pretty common out there? And let's talk about primary care because that's our listener um, that people can avoid if they're very smart about not only picking a good doctor, but just being a wide awake well, first of all, primary care is not the villain here. And I'm not just saying that because you're in primary care and I'm on your website. I mean, I'm on your podcast. You can go to anything I've ever written and we're never spanking primary care. Uh, but the second thing is when it does come up in primary care or when someone is ordering something, we teach employees to look out for words like, to phrases like, just to be safe or something like that, because that generally means the third of the three things that your son said, which is CYA. 
you have a very interesting overview of healthcare because you see a lot and you talk to a lot of people and you, I, I watch what you post and it's very intelligent stuff on the hackers form that you and I are on. Is there um, a type of primary care that you consider at the top of the food chain and maybe one that's not as good and maybe one that's even less than that? So if you're, if you're picking a doctor for your grandson or your, your, your child, your adult child, what type of PCP are you looking for to get the best results? Well, that's a really good question. And uh, the DPC model uh, would probably be my first choice. And that I believe is the model that you're in, correct? Well, I hope to be in that very soon with some agreements coming our way, but we uh, are not in it today, but I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah, I, it, it seems like that, and, I, and I'm, I'm hedging a little bit because so much depends on the, the individual patient and the individual doctor. But if I were throwing, if I just had to say, here are three models, this is the one I would use, I would go with DPC. The one I would go with uh, last is one where uh, patient satisfaction is like a, a huge variable for them because they're the ones who are going to agree to a whole lot of demands. And I know that because I, the way I got into this business was I'm a patient in a practice where they value patient satisfaction very highly. And they were throwing medical care at me. And I kept saying, no, thanks, no, thanks, no, thanks. Last time I had a guest on the show and he agreed with me as much as you do. I said, you know, you're not only smart, but you're probably a very handsome guy too. And he was a good friend of mine and he was kind of taken back. He didn't know I had gay inclinations. And I said, Hey, afterwards I had to call him and say, I was just having fun with you. You didn't catch the joke. But I want to tell you, you're a handsome man and a fine, intelligent uh, scholar as well. Well, you know, if we were on video, you'd see me blushing right now. <laughs> okay. Um, Al, what is, what is the future of educated health consumers? Is, is the issue for you to get in front of more employers and for them to get it? Is it just, you're going to keep on working on referral system? How do people find, um, Quizify and learn how great it is other than what I did, which is go on the website and play with it and just be entranced. Well, you know, here's something very interesting, Ron. We have a renewal rate among our larger accounts, uh, not necessarily the smaller ones, but over a thousand employees. Our renewal rate is 100%. And that's a total so far about 20 or 25 renewals. So it's not like three renewals. Uh, whereas we have as much trouble signing new folks as anybody else has. So we, we are, for our larger accounts, and I do mean the larger ones, a thousand and more, um, maybe even 10,000 and more, we're actually experimenting with almost giving away the first year and knowing that we're going to get folks on, on renewal. Because people, it, this is shockingly hard to sell. I mean, considering that it's completely intuitive, it's got the Harvard seal on it, it doesn't really cost much. It costs a small fraction of what, uh, of what wellness costs. And when we give people the sample questions right on the homepage, they learn something right away. And yet, a lot of them don't sign up because this is something new. It's not like, it's not like this is a category where, oh, you know, like uh, financial wellness or diabetes where there's six vendors and, and they know they need something and they got to fill that. No, this is a brand new category. And as a result, we're selling the category as much as we're selling Quizify. You know, when I think of wellness, I think of anything that doesn't require a blood test. So that's kind of how I separate it out. And there's just a gigantic industry of wellness. Um, like an a clinic in a corporate headquarters is not about wellness. That's about healthcare. Any kind of a DPC model where they're actually going to see a doctor and get a blood test, they're about healthcare. 
a lot of wellness, and I've read this um, through directions you've sent me on as a bloodhound, is really kind of a, a wasted investment, isn't it? Uh, well, it's not just that it's a wasted investment. Now, now let's let's distinguish two, th three things. Yes. Actually, first is wellness done for employees versus wellness done to employees. Now, if you want to do wellness for employees, more power to you. You're not going to save any money, but your employees might like it. You know, they might like subsidized uh, fitness facilities or, you know, uh, giving people a discount if they ride their bike to work. I don't know, any number of things. That's between you and the employee. Then that brings us over to wellness done to employees. And that falls in two categories. One is when it's done according to U.S. Preventive Services Task Force guidelines, which is to say, age adjusted so younger folks without risk factors might be getting screened every five years older folks with risk factors might get one a year well that's fine you're not going to save any money as an employer uh, you'll lose money but it's appropriate but that brings us to the third category which actually is the most profitable for vendors and still the most common which is screening everybody every year for everything and it's not just that that's completely inappropriate and a total waste of money, but we even have a guarantee. I have a personal uh, $3 million guarantee that if a company in the wellness industry or if they uh, can show that wellness saves money, if anybody can show that wellness has saved money, the so-called pride poke and prod programs have saved money, they get $3 million. Now, there's a $300,000 entry fee. I'm not a fool. You know, I... I I could use a little extra money and I have to pay the judges and, uh, you know, rent the room for, for the, you know, the debate and everything, but there's still gonna be plenty left over for me. I mean, they don't have a chance of winning. You don't, you don't offer a $3 million reward unless you've got all your ducks in a row. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's plays to your sense of humor, but it's actually a very good challenge because nobody's going to take you up on that. Has no, no. anybody even threatened to take you up on that? No, of course not. In fact, we have, I, I have a heck of a time getting these people even to debate and, the, the World Healthcare Congress, to their credit, has set up a debate between myself and somebody from the Wellness Trade Association, probably Ron Getzel or somebody. It's going to be, I think, a Sunday, the 29th of March. Uh, and we, I put it on the web. I mean, they put it on their website. They put out a press release. I put on mine. And a lot of people said, I'm showing up. Where do I get the tickets? I got to see this thing. I actually will be shocked if they if if Ron Getzel and his crowd shows up. You know, as I as I've told them publicly, you don't have to win this debate; you just have to beat expectations here. You know, it's like Amy Klobuchar finishing third in 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 New Hampshire or something. You know, that's a W. She lost. Yeah, but, but she's but she's in the game. She's in the game. Yeah, right. So all he has to do is show up and and not completely, you know, pull a, a, speaking of candidates, you know, pull a, a, a Michael Bloomberg and just botch every answer and he'll play to his base and he'll do fine. Al, there is a, a lot to talk about and I can tell we're not going to get it all done in this interview, but what is your um, favorite subject nobody's talking about? Everybody's talking about burnout. Everybody's talking about over testing. Everybody's talking about the, uh, the, the surprise billing is hot right now. What is the subject people should be aware of, but they're just blissfully asleep about? Oh, that's a great question. And I would probably give you a different answer if I thought about it in, in advance. But I think the things that are right on the website would be a couple of them. One is, there, there are four questions right on the quizify.com website. One is the ridiculous amount of added sugar in granola bars. And I guarantee you that two-thirds of American employers 
who have things in their break room to eat have granola bars. They're teaching employees wellness, and yet these things are full of sugar, but they hide the sugars. So one thing is added sugars that are hidden by employers. The second question, this is one that just, this is one that's completely hidden. And yet as soon as you see it, you say, whoa, which is that if a cavity is small and it's not in some obscure place, you, you can fix it without drilling, without Novocaine, without needles, without discomfort, without anything at a quarter of the price you would ordinarily pay because there's something called silver diamine fluoride that is used all the time outside the United States. But because it's so inexpensive, try to find a dentist who's going to recommend it to you here. Hmm. That's a good one too. Yeah. And the third one is, is all the, well, you mentioned the risks of testing, which are just simply not known. I mean, people look at, you hear the word scan, you know, you scan the horizon. Like I'm looking out the window right now. I'm scanning the horizon. The horizon is none the worse off from where, right? Well, you know, these scans, just because it's healthcare doesn't mean it's good for you. And then the final thing that people are paying no attention to is with Zantac off the market, the other healthcare, the other heartburn drugs, and not, uh, Prilosec, Prevacid, Nexium, they're shooting way up in popularity. Well, they have all sorts of long-term side effects that go with them that aren't listed on the label for the simple reason that the label says, discontinue this drug after X number of weeks. So the label's actually right, but nobody pays attention to it. You know, there's a, a lobby for the food industry that's only 26 billion wide and deep. Um, sorry, 26 million wide and deep for their lobby. The food uh, lobby doesn't hold a candle to the healthcare lobby, which by my last FAC calculation is about 560 billion, sorry, $560 million. So it dwarfs the food lobby by 20 to 1. And you have really smart people getting on the air talking about how sugar is hidden in food. Um, my right hand in the company uh, was probably lost about 85 pounds out of a 220 pound body. She's a little tiny thing. And we were, I take her out to lunch for her birthday and she's drinking a Diet Coke. And I said, why did you drink that? And she goes, well, this and Coke Zero really don't have sugar in them. And I said, do you know that for a factor? I mean, you work with doctors every day in our practices. Why don't you ask them if that's true or not? Because I'm not a nutritionist, but my understanding is that that's going to spike your glycemic level and your body thinks it is and your brain thinks it is. And, um, and you looks like you've gained about 15 or 20 pounds back. Uh, do you drink these every day? And she goes, yeah, about five or six a day, and, but there's no calories in them. And I said, look, uh, so you would call her, you, uh, maybe you have a quiz for somebody like her that doesn't understand glycemic levels. You know, that, that, that particular example that you brought up is a very good one. And the, the evidence is quite mixed. But what I, what, I, and what I would say is that if you drink five or six or eat or drink five or six of the same exact highly processed food every day, I don't care what it is, it's bad for you. Mm. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, Al, how do people find you if they want to locate Quizify or locate you personally? Well, you know, I, I always say I'm only, I only have three talents in life. One is analyzing wellness outcomes. The second is writing healthcare trivia questions. And the third is shameless self-promotion. I am very easy to find. www.quizify.com, contact us. Al at quizify.com, LinkedIn, very easy. You are easy to find. Thank you for that. Um, and then my, my pop quiz that I always ask everybody at the end, and very few people succeed at this, is if you could fly a banner over America with one message to Americans, what would that say? Besides uh, play Quizify? 
Um, well, that's it. Quizify.com. How about that? Nobody's ever gone to that answer. That's such an obvious answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's like I say, shameless self-promotion. So there you go. <laughs> um, what do you think Quizify looks like in five years, Al, if you had to project forward? Uh, well, I, it, it, we, we evolve a little bit every month, like every other company does, but essentially it's going to be um, the, the same, but with, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're really hitting on all cylinders now. We're just going to be incrementally easier to play the game, easier to find old information, uh, more information, more quizzes. Um, we have achieved the strategy. It's just a question of honing it. So five years from now, it, it five years from now, I think that the users will have caught up with the power of Quizify. Very nice. Well, we'll look forward to our next interview. And Al Lewis, thank you for your time. This has been a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Ron. Appreciate it a great deal. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, Help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.